0: Hello, everybody. It's your old friends at Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Woo! I hope he didn't miss us last week, lads. Unfortunately, we had a lot of injuries in the camp, so we had to rotate our squad and uh, they didn't show up. So, uh, so sorry <laughs> about that, lads. Um, you know, it's it's, it's it's times are tough here, lads. We, we can't do subs for podcasts, it's uh, it's pretty depressing. Um, but we we're back with our usual crew. To be
1: fair.
0: Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, it's 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 tricky when you can't find like it's it's just hard to find the staff nowadays, lads. You know yourself, like just the, the times you live in and all that. Um, in any case, uh, joined as ever by uh, myself, Jonathan, Neil, and Berkbal, and um, to talk about the last fourth night in football because it's been pretty busy. I think it's fair to say there's been a lot of shit going on. Um, particularly if you're an Arsenal fan, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> particularly if you're a liverpool fan i think it's fair to say and um, i think every club is in busy bar i don't know who has had a quiet week like fortnight newcastle palace west brom i don't know who can you who can you say has had a quiet time but i don't think anyone has no nobody no i don't
2: think it's possible
0: yeah you know, not anymore not in this uh this hellscape we call premier league football um, and <laughs> So, we're going to you the formula just ever so slightly. So, we're going to rattle through the, the scorelines to kind of get you back up to speed with what's happened over the last two weeks. So, on match day nine, uh, we've had um, such so wonderful results as uh, Burnley won Crystal Palace nil, uh, Wolves won Southampton won, Sheffield United nil, West Ham uh, 1. And again, the hellscape that is second season syndrome for Sheffield United. Um, Chelsea beating. Yeah, they not doing too
2: well in their second season.
0: It's 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 having they're having a mayor. I'll be honest, they really are. We we we'll get into it. Um, Chelsea are truly uh, really a, a juggernaut at the moment as they beat uh, Newcastle two 0 um, yeah, sure. Uh, Brighton beat uh, Aston Villa two one. Um Leeds and Arsenal had a, a very fascinating nil all draw <laughs> where a lot of, where a few things happened. I think it's fair to say. Um, much at least one thing we'll say is that these guys didn't get Bamforded, which is a start. That is something, at least. <laughs> much to, as much as you tried, you didn't get Bamforded. so that's that's a silver lining. I know Berk giving me like dagger eyes.
1: didn't score against us. Like you know, <laughs> for all of the negativity that went on after that match, there was that one glimmer of hope that we didn't let stupid head get in.
0: Yes, that is why. Like he is your silver lining, which is a very bizarre thing to say. Um, <laughs> Moving on, then we had a uh, Man United one West Rom nil in one of the various games that VAR ruined over the last fortnight. Um, Fulham two, Everton three, which was a genuinely good game. And um, just Fulham forgot that. Oh shit! Yeah, defenders exist. And um, Liverpool.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, after shipping a goal in what the first forty seconds or something.
0: About forty-six seconds. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, you know, sign of things to come for Fulham, really.
2: Because he's not for yeah, He's also given up uh, a the bit of kiss of death because prior to that game he, Ancelotti mentioned Richarlison as mm. uh, a future Ballon d'Or winner.
0: Oh yeah. was yes, it when was the sorry, last time yes. someone was mentioned as a future Ballon d'Or winner? Oh yeah, Anthony Martial, yeah. What's he doing nowadays? What's he <laughs> oh, doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget
2: that there's actually a clause in his contract stating that Manchester United have to pay who's
0: Monaco, yeah, Monaco.
2: They have to pay him like they have to pay him like seven million quid if he ever wins the Ballon d'Or. It's like oh, pretty safe bet. That's not fucking happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I I I want to point out, by the way, that they sold him to United to basically make way for killing Mbappe, which I just think is is ridiculous football karma. it's like, oh, here's his hot shot, uh, French uh, striker, the heir to Thierry Henry, Anthony Martial. Well, Martial, no, get him out of here. I'm talking about know fucking him for mm-hmm. Send him off to United, fuck off. Um. The t- so it, it, moving on then so we had Liverpool beating Leicester 3-0 and was I'll be honest it was a bit of a surprise because we were like down to like the fucking dinner ladies in that team but we still beat Leicester regardless and I suppose the the most prominent result from that match day was Spurs beating Man City 2-0 in a vintage example of why you don't let Jose Mourinho get into your heads and um, unfortunately Pep Guardiola did not um, oh, vintage,
2: yeah Fucking lesson in why you don't let Sam Young Min run at your goal with the ball. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which Shock horror. In the fucking fifth minute and just slotted it home. I was going, you fucking idiots. Who, who's like, he's the only person on the team you really have to mark. Yeah. Like, that's it. In a break. In a break. Because all they're going to do is just try and get the ball to him. Yeah. And he'll either exactly. score himself or he's just going to lay it up on a goddamn platter for somebody else. So when mm. Spurs break, mark him, run for him. Even if four players have to run and kind of form a kind of cube of death around him. By <laughs> part <Either> the video. <laughs> the cube That's what you fucking death. do. You just mark him out of their breaks because he's the best counter-attacking footballer in the league, which puts him high on that list for world
0: the world. Yeah, much. yeah no, absolutely. You're quite right. Um, yeah, they just went, nah, we're not going to do that. No, nope, no chance. Um, so, uh, moving on to, to last week's results, uh, we, start, we started with Spurs and we end with Spurs on this one. Uh, they had a pretty tedious nil-all draw with Chelsea in a very uncomfortable pattern of tedious matches between big clubs. Um, West Brom uh, beat Sheffield United 1-0 in a game I am baffled to see Sheffield United lose because West Brom did not deserve to win this game. <laughs> Sheffield just couldn't finish their fucking dinners, unfortunately. and um, Likewise for Palace against Newcastle. To be fair, Palace had them bombarded, and Newcastle one-two-nil. Like, how does that fucking work at all? one, like, sure. And um, and then yeah. a, a rake of a rake of two-one uh, results, scorelines. Then Wolves beating Arsenal two-one. Unfortunately, a game that was marred by the uh, the, the fractured skull injury for Well Jimenez. And yeah. um, uh, Fulham uh, getting their first win of the season against Leicester, which is a bit of a shocker. That uh, was yeah. That was a bit of a shocker, but they actually deserved it. Like they were, they were good, like really, really good. And
2: um, I think, I think the shocker about it not that like they've not won before, or isn't that they didn't deserve it. They did deserve it. It's that hmm. what the fuck is up at Leicester?
0: Oh. It's like, very bizarre, isn't it? Like they just seem not to. Not even a month ago, we were saying,
2: "Oh yeah, if these guys can hang in there, they're pretty much gonna win it." Like they could yeah. do it again, you know? Because much like last time, the last time they won it, every, everything's gone to shit. Yeah title's just going to go to a team that's just the least amount of shit or the most yeah. not shit. <laughs> that's not Leicester now because <laughs> they're fucking they're giving up three points to whoever
0: decides to rock up the king power. Pretty much. like It's very bizarre because like it's exactly the same thing that happened to Everton in the last of the previous interlull, where they had were on a hot streak interlull, and then they lose like they don't win a game at all and then had to wait until the next interlull to get, get back into the action and it's kind of the same with Leicester. Like I don't think they've actually won a game since that since the interlow. like they've drew in the Europa League and lost last night and then two losses in the Premier League bizarre and um, and again we, we get we get to the uh, VAR ruins games territory again with uh, West Ham versus Aston Villa uh, West Ham ended up winning 2-1 but even David Moyes couldn't celebrate because there was bollocks at the end which we'll get to in VAR Wars and um, similarly it uh, was uh, VAR bollocks in uh, Brighton versus Liverpool which ended up as a one-all draw um, and then we move on then to Man City five Burnley nil. I, I, I don't care about this match. Like, I mean, everything Man City just like, oh, Man City lose, worry, and then they really care about this match. Oh, like, look, like, okay, it's like Man City is kind of like they're on the rebound here. They've had to get dumped, and they've had to go out now with this like good god like ghoul of a of a of a person just to like get back at like Spurs. It's like who cares, man? Like, you you it's Burnley. Like, get over yourselves, right? Yeah. Just fucking cup onto yourself. And
2: again, like Burnley much a towel in and Marek scored in the first
0: seven minutes, seven, eight, ten minutes. I think, yeah. Um, and I think Burnley had like six injuries in the squad, like so. Like Nick Pope wasn't even in goal. They had a, yeah, poor Peacock Farrell on his debut, conceding six, and one of them was chalked off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor bastard. Exactly. The, um, most
2: of starts. And you Indeed. Um, Indeed. mentioned the Leeds, you've mentioned the Leeds Everton result, haven't you?
0: Oh, that was yeah, I was just about to funny enough. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. it was a very entertaining affair. Um how it ended up as one nil is a is I was a, about a, to say, I don't a understand yeah. how a game with fourteen shots on target <laughs> <laughs> ends in a one
2: nil. <laughs>
0: Two uh, words Patrick Bamford, Patrick Bamford, <laughs> Bamford baby. <laughs> Yes. And I uh, suppose well arguably
1: game, the goalkeeping mm-hmm. in that game though, I have to say, was like I was watching this and I was like, Oh my god, what a save. Oh my god, what a save. And like <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be like save of the year contenders, but they were like super saves. Like and it was yeah. just a kind of consistency of them.
2: Yeah, poor poor Jack Harrison now. Like on another day, oh, he'd have had a fucking god, hat love him, yeah. he'd have had the game ball by half time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to just sat there going, "Motherfucker!" He knows how every Arsenal player feels every time we play da- David de Gea. <laughs> and he just that fucking did like the octopus thing.
0: It's weird. It's actually it says a lot about how crazy that game was, where he actually got a really good performance on Jordan Pickford. Like that's that's saying a lot. Like it really is. Yeah. Um And similarly, from Melier having a great game too. Um, I suppose that the more prominent result from the match day, excuse me, was the uh, was Southampton getting a. Uh, Getting the uh, victim of the of the comeback of the Cavani comeback, if you will, and they were two 0 oh, up, and then Cavani came on and, and won the game practically. He was absolutely fucking know,
2: absolutely fucking cruising. United yeah. had nothing. Like it, it wasn't as if oh yeah it's two 0 but it's you know still, they had nothing. United were dusted. They were fucked. Yeah. Like so, uh, the, the, the Twitter jokes when Southampton went two 0 up, they were like oh you know they're going to need all three penalties now. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like this is crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then it was Fernandez who opened the scoring. By the way, and then again the Twitter just blew up. It's like he scored from open play.
0: What? He's never done that? He was possible of that. <laughs> well, it was and, against the rules.
2: Yeah. So that's uh, he. And he said which he set up. So he
0: assisted yeah. one and scored two. Scored two. Yeah. And was fantastic. Just, holy yeah. fuck. But then, um, so that so after those results, then the league looks uh, like fascinating to be honest. If we're starting off at the top, and um, Spurs and Liverpool are sharing the top spot at the moment on twenty one, and um, Chelsea then two points behind with Leicester still in the top four somehow on eighteen, and um, and then it's just an almighty scramble. Then beyond that, you have West Ham on West, That's West Ham and Southampton.
2: This fucking table is like Leicester are top yeah. four despite the fact that they've lost
0: four times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they've lost. Yeah. Percent of their games and they're still fourth. That's so bizarre. Fourth. This
0: is. Yeah, it, it's totally crazy. Like, um, like and knew as I said, like,
1: season was going to be messed up with like COVID and, and like barely having a preseason. But yeah, it's even it's even worse than we expected. As
2: yeah. fans definitely worse than we expected. Oh, absolutely. Fuck. Mm. Absolutely. But um, yeah, no, it's just absolutely bizarre. It's so crazy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, even look right into through the table here. You've got West Ham to Hampton and Wolves on 17. Everton United are now in the top 10 on 16. Villa is still in 10. Man City still 11th with 15. Like, that's that's incredible. Um, Leeds and Newcastle still in the bottom half. Arsenal 14th, same place as Palace. Um, Brighton, um, I guess they're okay on 10 points. Bullham out of the drop zone for the first time. There's a the second win the season, actually, not the first. Beg your pardon. Um, and West Brom now in the drop zone, despite winning, which is gas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Burnley now in the drop zone. And Sheffield United only one point out West of 10 Bronx games.
2: first win of the season.
0: Yes, that's exactly what it was. Yes, I got their staff mixed up. Um, and yeah, curious enough, Sheffield United now have officially made the worst start in Premier League history. With only one point out of 10 games. They are even worse than the Derby County team that like went oh down.
1: Oh my God, I did not yes. realise that.
0: Yeah, they're they're on they're on track
2: to do a proper style derby.
0: Mm. So, um, so yeah, like after after kind of like rattling up that table there, like um, I suppose like in traditional seasons you kind of get a good idea of how the table looks like after ten games. But Jesus Christ, this is not the case this year. Like, um, I, I suppose the question i kind of ask is, is that do you expect many of those teams to keep the pace, or how do you no. kind of see it going? No, I don't
2: see anyone lasting the pace. I, I expect Sheffield United to keep sucking. Uh,
0: okay, that's good. Cool. We can agree on that. <laughs> expect
2: Burnley to pretty much go out. I'd love to go back. Did we make predictions? We did make predictions. I'll go find. I'll go fish them out. Fucking hell. Bear with? So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I
1: had Leeds go down, and you both scoffed at me at that. And I had Fulham stay up.
2: <laughs> well, Fulham are Fulham are, oh, but by the. Fucking very Inverty. fingernails, like you know. Mm. Well, I think I
0: yeah, say uh, go
1: down and West
0: Ham. I think. <laughs> yeah, they actually have your predictions up on screen here. So, oh, uh, oh
1: yeah, West
2: Brom. I forgot about
0: them. Oh, yeah, I had Fulham to go down as well.
2: Oh, actually, yes, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. I had West Brom, West Ham to go down. Fuck. Mm. I have West Ham. Jesus, I had Sheffield up at eleventh. What
0: was they thinking I'm on crack <laughs> I didn't have nine holy fuck yeah. nothing <laughs> we all like Sheffield lads it's the Irish contingency we all thought <laughs> David McGoldrick was <laughs> <in> the to Ballon d'Or yeah <laughs> they're all part of Jackie's army oh, um, God. but yeah it's, it's weird like again it, it's something really kind of like cathartic about watch, looking at this table now 10 games in and it's like no, it's just we're all, we're all the wrong answer, but so is this league table, like the one that we currently have, you know. Like, yeah, as Arsenal right. fans going and into North, North London Derby, wrong.
2: like none of
0: this yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, going to the North London Derby this week, like you've got Spurs top of the league, you guys down 14s. Granted, it isn't that much of a point gap. It looks like the, the, the league positioning is, is flattering in that sense,
2: yeah. Like, if, but, if we win. Mm-hmm. Right, we could we could potentially go. I think ninth. I think oh, no eighth. Eighth, yes. Sorry, yeah, we no, could potentially yeah. go eighth, and we're in fourteenth. <laughs> one one win, we could fucking vault fucking six places.
1: Hmm.
2: <laughs> you can't predict anything in the league with that much fucking volatility. This is not happening.
0: Yeah, and oh. yeah.
1: So, so say with uh, not as much volatility as our team performance, Neil. <laughs> uh,
0: mm. uh,
2: yeah, that's um, yeah, that's something else, isn't it?
1: This is the most negative I'm feeling going into an North London derby in my entire life.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, I I wasn't this nervous going in, I, and I can remember the time, the times when there was like a shit hot Gareth Bale, absolutely tearing, absolutely yeah. people for breakfast and mm. I was not this nervous. I was not this despondent I'm like, I, because at that time we actually had a team that was playing well um, yeah. which I can't say um, William didn't play at all in the Europa League uh, which unfortunately means that he's probably going to be fielded and Spurs are just going to eat him alive hmm. um, then when he's gone we're essentially down to 10 men <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which isn't uh, the best Um no. No, shining lights. Uh, Kane might not start. Um, although uh,
1: they, for every single North London derby, there's North London derby oh, yeah. Kane has a niggle. He's not going to be playing. Um, and then like, Super Kane is back, yeah. just in time to um, defeat the Arsenal. Yeah,
2: but uh, the thing is that, like we've been constantly saying on this, is um, that uh, they play better without him because mm. he's their main focal point, and just by marking him out of the game. Which is admittedly kind of difficult, but it can be done very easily by marking him out. You've essentially completely blunted them so they're they dog me, which is what mm. we did the last time. Um so without him, they've got multiple goal threats all over the kid You have to try and mark everybody and you're like, Fuck, I can't do this. But yeah, I I'm I am not confident at all going into this. I really, really right. am.
1: Jose Mourinho Spurs as well is always going to oh be extra God. disgusting. It's all mm. set
2: up for us to lose and it's going to be demoralising. It's going to be horrible. Yeah,
1: it's I weird. think I'm just going to avoid talking to
2: people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be one of those times where I'm just going to leave my phone in a drawer and just,
0: yeah,
2: you know, kill the internet
0: connection on my computer and just
2: play games that's
0: it that's it yeah that's just pretend it for. never happens uh, or maybe like get FIFA and then like taunt them 10-0 and make yourself feel better about yourself
2: yeah you <laughs> know yeah. But, um, 22nd century equivalent of sticking my head in the sand going yes wrong. fuck it
0: that's it exactly uh, but no, like again the, the question I was going to ask was about how many like teams you feel are kind of out of place and it's kind of appropriate to talk about Arsenal because they are like in a way out of place but it's just based on performances they have been pretty poor and um, like uh, as Arsenal fans you probably are very like acutely aware of that watching them play and just like they just don't, can't seem to make headway going forward like the goals have dried up big time from, like, the, from the usual suspect we should add but like you're getting goals from other, other sources in a way and like for me like for, when I look at the North London Derby like I, I'm actually thinking now the way Spurs play now where Kane is kind of like serving as a bit of a playmaker to the team I think actually like it would be a really massive loss if they did Lose came to this match because the way they set up now, they kind of have to rely on him to to spray those balls around, so that Son and or Son or Mora or even Bale, for example, could like run onto them. And um, so I think he would be a massive loss now. As for Arsenal, I, like again, I'm kind of in agreement with you guys. I like I I would need to see where on earth you're getting the goals from because I can't see it in this team. Like like it's been made a very point now, but Aubameyang kind of just not really. Scoring since he signed a new contract. Like, is it is it because of the way he's playing the team, or is it just like his form is just out the window? What, what do you guys think it is? It's about like he's not getting the ball, and he's also,
2: you know, he's yet to ship his Goldilocks preferred method of only pulling the trigger when like the mm. ex- his expected goal, you know, percentage is fucking crazy high. Yeah. Now that happens. You know, that's that's okay when we're getting the ball to him in copious amounts and he's slotting them away or like if he's converting it at like a thirty percent average and that's great, you know? Hmm. But we're not getting the ball to him at all.
1: Yeah. He's yeah, his... I think like five touches the last day in the match, and like one of them was at the edge of the box. The rest were mm. in various positions outside of the box and in non-scorable positions, and it's like that's not where you want him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh um, that. yeah.
1: Like we, you you look at our midfield and I like, and it's it's covered a lot in a lot of like the podcasts, and he, like, journalists have gone through like it's obviously the lack of creativity in midfield. Um, with Jacka and Sabio playing in midfield last week, um, they had something like fifty-six combined passes to either of the centre backs.
2: Yeah,
1: and like something like twenty-five passes in any way sideways and only something like 10 passes forward between the two of them. Hmm. Uh, and that's completed passes, because a lot of them were not even completed. Okay. Like, and I, and I'm pulling these numbers, but like, like but it like, was that kind of figures, like it was really high figures going back into the back line and barely anything going forward. So if you're expecting your forwards to get one ball in a match and expect them to score from that one ball that they received, then it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Because all yeah. people have to do is do the, exactly what we said about it with Kane. Marco Bermejo out of the game, and yeah, uh, yeah, you're golden. Like Arsenal don't have any other creative outlets to score. Like we're relying on uh, Saka, um, to be our creative link between our defence and our attackers, and mm. like, he's only he can only do so much. He can like you know, and as well as that, all they have to do is block the left channel, and he's out of the game.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, like
1: of... I, I, feel like we're gonna see Nelson this week. I would like to see Nelson over William, but I don't think so. But
2: yeah, um, Nelson played midweek, so that's why I was saying is like William didn't even travel with the squad, which hopefully means he's probably injured or he's fucking got the plague or something like that. I don't know what. Which I um, think yeah, side. It means we won't be seeing Nelson. Yeah. Um, Arseta has been hinting that party is back in full training and has been doing full tra- full proper full training sessions mm. this week so he faces a lay fitness test to start um, okay
1: we've got my new favorite player back in contention as well
2: yeah Pablo Marie um, Marie
1: mm-hmm. Marie, mm. material.
2: I'll um, let Norty hear you say that for fuck's sake man he's um, probably already heard it quite a bit now, <laughs> <particularly> <laughs> after it's it's the old. so um, yeah it's just things are shaping up at the back but we've got nothing like, there was a really horrendous uh, like passing diagram of all of our passes and it's just this colossal U shaped yeah yeah, <laughs> around the middle of the field because nothing's going through the middle. Absolutely fucking nothing is going through the middle, and that's why like the internet rumors are already starting hot and heavy that we're going to go back in for creative midfielders in, mm. come January. Um, the two main ones being, I don't know why, but the our ones are resurfacing, yeah, um, which we won't get, and the other one is um, the Salzburg guy, Zabala,
0: Dominic oh, Zabala, yes. Yeah. ball will be a decent signing because you get him fairly cheaply. like, yeah, a, like he's I think 25 he has... million pound release clause.
1: I've never heard yeah. of him, so um, yeah, I can't.
0: Oh, he, no, he is good. He is good. I, I can rate him. He runs the. He's like he's Hungarian and he just runs the fucking national team. He's absolutely brilliant. He practically got them qualified for the for the Euros. He's very good. It's very good.
2: Yeah, but he's got a crazy low release clause of 25 million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Contract. way
0: Salzburg get that kind of like the brown envelopes the Leipzig, You know what I mean? Exactly. So
2: um, we we be apparently unbelievably. We're apparently one of the few clubs. We're one of the only clubs in from mm. already. Mm. Um, so fuck it. Well, hopefully that sticks up to January, and then when the window opens, we'll get we'll nab somebody because something needs to be done. There's no goals coming from midfield unless you count how unless you count Lacazette as a midfielder, given how far back he drops.
0: Yeah. yeah. See, you, you mentioned that kind of like the passing in the U kind of area. And it's like, okay, granted, you can kind of see that there's a massive vacuum in the, in the central midfield. But like the path, with, with the stuff with the no, passing, like a lot of it... Midfield
2: even it's, it's the centre attacking part. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, no, going I, I. That's, on that's in our defensive midfield. Like, our. our no, you're you're crying there. You're like, yeah. yeah. That's the problem. Have a lot of the ball, unfortunately. And the problem yeah. is they don't do fucking with it, anything yeah. with it, if there's no width. Like, if if Saka's not on the left or Vellerin's not
0: on the right, the ball just doesn't go forward. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and that's tro- the trouble I'm finding with Arsenal is that, like, it's like, there it just doesn't seem to be an a, 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 a solu- obviously not a solution with personnel, but tactically, there
2: are solutions. Nelson's one of them. Just give him he just needs a run of he just needs a run in the team. Smith mm-hmm. Rowe would be a brilliant one where oh, yeah. um, he not away,
1: unfortunately. Smith Rowe, I think, could be like Jack Wiltshire-esque in terms of um, his ability to carry the ball. We only saw for like twenty minutes during the week where he um, came on and just like nearly every single pass he came drew, like brought the ball with him yeah. forward and it was like I'm so glad he got a goal in the end because like oh my god like he I, I'm, I'm delighted for him as a player because he's gone through a lot to get to where he is now and I know he you know he, he's kind of like a homegrown kid so you want him to do well yeah so uh, yeah no um, I think sweet Row if you can say not injured for a length of
0: time,
1: um, yeah. and we with him and the team and see how he gets on, and we wouldn't have to fork out money in January that we don't have.
2: Yeah, I I reckon Smith Rowe will probably make the fir- proper first team squad if he can get to the end of this. I'd, I reckon I'd say Arteta and the conditioning coaches have turned around and went right. If you can stay injury free till the end of the season, um, mm. you know you're in.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, I suppose, like, kind of change the tack a little bit. Like, out of the out of the teams you've seen so far this season, has anyone like surprised, surprised, or rather impressed you out of the in the first ten games? Leeds. Leeds.
2: Yeah. I fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I, I honestly thought Bielsa was wide open style so was going to get
0: them. Not true. Mm.
2: I, 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 it's just.
0: I've enjoyed watching them. In fairness, on the matches I've seen of them, they actually do give it a go. They're a good TV watch, like TV team. Good watch. I mean, I think had you asked that
2: question about maybe a month or two ago, I'd have said Everton. Mm. Yeah, they've reverted
0: to the norm.
2: They've Everton.
0: Yeah, (laughs) they've proven that like the the squad depth is really, really not there. Like. Um, um, I know it was a big time like when Wobby was in the squad. Sorry, Burkwell. I noticed when Wobby was in the squad for the Leeds game, and like it is a case of, like you have James Rodriguez, Abdoulaye decore, and Andre <laughs> Gomez just knocking around each other and having a lovely playmaker. And then like, oh, there's someone running. Yeah, who is it? It's Wobby. Oh, it's going to play. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, not the counter guess. You know, fucking. <laughs> it's it's so obvious. Yeah. The drop off is it's insane. Um, I could drop there sorry Berkwood do you
1: want to go ahead um, oh, I, I, my team uh, would be Villa oh yeah because you yeah. don't know which, which, which Villa is going to turn up the one that are going to absolutely trash Arsenal 3-0 or the ones that are going to fail to score against I don't know West Brom or someone I don't know like hmm. um, yeah no, they, just the chaoticness of them I, I thought they were absolutely fantastic against Arsenal yeah. Um and I watch I watched a few of their games, and I hate I I really as an Irish person <laughs> hate the fact that I like Jack Roosh.
0: he's a good player, like I like, can't. As a player, my... as
1: a person, yeah, he's trash, and he's the worst of the worst.
2: Mm.
0: But
1: I I can't deny he's got skills.
0: Yeah. It's only the one thing about the whole Villa team yeah, overall. Like, they're really raw. Like they just—they got so, so much like shit going on with them. Like if it's not if it's not Grealish, it's Barkley, and if it's not Barkley, it's Watkins, if it's not Watkins, it's fucking McGinn. Like there's so many, and even you have like Martinez in goal and the center backs of Cons and Mings. So there's a lot to like about the team. It's a really likable, yeah. watchable team, you know. And I can say that after being trounced fucking seven two by them, you know what I mean? You know, they, there is a lot to yeah. like about it, you know. And I suppose for me, like yeah, went I think a
2: lot like. It was Leeds that lost three yes. 0
0: to. That's right, yeah.
2: yeah. They, they lost two
0: one to Brighton. Like
2: that was Brighton's second win of the season. Yeah, against yeah. them. And just, like, like that Villa team to a
0: man is better than Brighton. Mm. What the yeah.
2: fuck? Losing two one. And they were lucky to only
0: lose two one. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Like. That was, like, that, was that was a crazy thing about it. And um, I suppose for me, like the actual team that that, that just surprised me, um, in both a positive and negative way, was Chelsea. Um,
2: oh, I've gotten lots of negative surprises now. If we were going yeah. for negative surprises now, we'd be here all fucking week.
0: Oh, yeah, like Man City, Man United, Leicester, yeah. <laughs> Brendan yeah. Rogers himself. Yeah, yeah. like Start at number 20 and go all the way to number one. Yeah, exactly. But no, like legit, like I'm surprised. I'm I'm actually impressed how Chelsea have got their shit together already, like early on in the season. And granted, like, this is very been, qualified.
2: Been to the fucking transfer market will do some stabilizing for you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, well, that's to say that was the, that was my qualifying statement. Like, it helps when you when you finally sign a goalkeeper who knows how to fucking be a goalkeeper. You know, horror, that works.
2: Quid and one who apparently last season like it's it's ridiculous. I hate all. I fucking want to vomit
0: every time I see all these.
2: Oh, Frank Lampard, he's he stabilised the ship. How did he do it? He got given a quarter of a billion fucking yeah. quid.
0: Oh no! Like, don't get me stabilized. wrong, I am. I, I am not saying Lampard deserves credit in this, but what he does, oh, like no. I suppose the one thing he has done, all the press are all
2: like all all about how yeah. trying to give him credit, and they're like, no, he's actually doing a really bad job. It's just yeah. there's so much fucking money in that squad; they can't help. But like, with with all of the, the fucking talent and money that he's got, third is actually a disgrace. Hmm. Consider how much everybody else is shitting the bed on an m- unbelievable collective scale they yeah. should they should be 10-0 you know
0: yeah no I, I i can see your point like i can see your point because like again they've had so many toys to work to, to play with this season and like for me like like lampard's only real job he's very he's very reminiscent of like a zidane uh, figure in that sense where like the club is bought to the players and all his job is to do is to put out a team that like makes the most out of those players and like I still look at the team and go like well uh, I don't like him at wide, well, I don't like him central but whatever is whatever has worked he's key he's sticking to and he's not trying to reinvent the wheel and um, now granted like like if you look at the run of fixtures they've had the reason they're in third is because they faced Burnley Southampton sorry so Burnley Newcastle and then two extremely easy win, like games in the Champions League mm-hmm. And then just recently, they had a great result against Sevilla, where Olivier Giroud just had the fucking freedom of the of Spain. No,
2: we're not talking about that.
0: But no, but that's just an example. Again, <laughs> um, like you just see like a, a, the the the, oh, the the tears are starting to well up in the eyes. Don't mention his name. Um, Our glasses
2: have those wipers on them now.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How could this happen to me?
2: <laughs> but then um, I saw like Andrew Allen's tweet on. Um, like during that match she shows every goal that she root scores fucking dagger to my heart that's <laughs> <laughs> much what you really feel Andrew
0: yeah uh, he's, he's on the nose of that, In fairness, he's, he's up for sale on
2: that,
1: on that against Wolves we slung in 35 crosses which is the most in like any game like three <laughs> of them connected with the head of an Arsenal player which did not result in any goals but we we tried it and it's like well who do we expect being centred? Like, it, does Arteza still think his friend Giroud is up front for us? Because that's the only reason we should be, be swinging crosses. Like, no, like, Aubameyang doesn't score with his head. No. Not Gazette only if it accidentally hits him, scores with his head.
2: Yeah, if you absolutely thump the cross in and he happens to get in the way. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, we need Giroud. Like, I would happily take Giroud in January. Teas For the way you're playing, tea. absolutely. And you also, need you need
0: put to man. the team. Yeah. You, you, him and Pablo Marie can visit you on Valentine's Day and just, like, throw chocolates at you or something.
1: Yes. Throw
0: chocolates. Nothing <laughs> more. <laughs> this, this is a PG show, Bert, but I'm trying to keep it safe, all right? <laughs> it's a family show. Um, well, if we do, make sure you back. It won't be a fucking PG. No, that's that is a <laughs> that is a fair assessment. That is a totally understandable only assessment. <laughs> only fan. Only Marie's. Um but um but yeah, like uh, I suppose we better uh move on then uh from the rundown. So what I'll do is I'll briefly jump into Var Wars to let you know how that's going on because we have developments on that regard. So um Ooh. for match day nine, um it was a very cruel week for Var, and they only uh, gave a point uh this, uh, that, that match day, which was the Man United shock horror, I know. And um, that was the uh, penalty that really shouldn't have been against, um, uh, against, uh, uh, West Brom. Actually, apologies, it was a penalty. And the Bruno Fernandez retook after Sam Johnson was, uh, was in, uh took, went off his line. So he, he retook it and scored. Um, moving on then. So the the point they took away, uh, we'll start off with Arsenal. That was the uh, Pepe sending off, uh, the Alioski headbutt that was var approved. And um, yeah, Aston Villa um, had a penalty uh, decision overturned after um, basically Sully March had like got the ball when he was uh, attacking somebody. And uh, but they basically decided that he had got the ball in doing so and therefore wasn't the penalty. I want to just make a note of that for future match days coming up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man City had a goal chopped off, and that was the uh, goal against, uh, against, against Tottenham. Uh, it was a Laporte goal, but it was really for handball because sleeves and arms they're both the same now apparently because what the fuck what do you need what do you need rules for when you just make it up as you go along and
2: um, well it was against so i'm all okay with that
0: yeah in fairness yeah i consistency in that and um, but west brom then also got a had a minus one <laughs> yeah consistency for an arsenal fan, yeah. yeah exactly and um, but uh but west brom had a, had a minus one to their name as well that was the uh the Carlin Grant penalty that was uh, rescinded after reviewed it by VAR and needed to be insufficient. I just want to point out that it was David Coote who was refereeing this game. And whenever you see him on the match sheet for your game, you're going to have a bad time. I like legit. Like, I don't like giving out about referees, but this guy's a complete fucking spanner. Like he literally just gets overturned by everybody. He's like, mostly like the fucking like the school whipping boy or something, you know, the kind of guy who just gets beaten up for fucking milk money. Like this, that must be him. Like it's ridiculous. And, um, and speaking of ridiculous, let's move on to uh, match day 10, shall we? So, uh, points given were Brighton that was the uh, penalty awarded after Robertson uh kicked Danny Welbeck while clearing a ball in the box. And um, just again, the irony is that more or less the same thing happened the previous week with Solly March, but sure, who cares? And um, a plus one then to Fulham, they were given a penalty, uh, actually, similar situation actually, when Dirk Dover uh, reed was hit by Fuchs as Fuchs tried to clear the ball out of his box, so pretty much identical penalty. So, at least that's consistent, if you want to That's call it consistent. That. yeah it is I'll credit to them they got something right and um, they're consistently wrong <laughs> so in terms of the minus ones then we'll start off at Aston Villa and um, they were denied a late, late equaliser or at least Ollie Watkins was because his arm was offside now you might be wondering okay fair enough like we've had instances like this before but why was his arm offside because he was getting felled by Ogbonna his arms were literally around him he was getting spooned by Ogbonna so his arms are up in the air looking for a penalty so the VAR spots it offside because his arm is off and then they don't realize he's actually being held back and then they give, don't even notice it. It's not even registered. Like the PGMOL said, no, no, we didn't say anything wrong with that. It was offside. It's like, you are. this is why people hate you. This is why people hate VAR because you're actually missing the I most.
1: obvious. Like this, as I keep saying, if VAR was implemented correctly, um, just case in point, I just want to jump on this yeah, point. Yeah, if we had had Bar, last, last Tuesday, if we had had Bar, Cajun McKay would not have had a penalty given against, her, in, against Germany. Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. Like, that was not a fucking penalty by any stretch of the imagination. Really wasn't. Like, um, But that's the thing.
1: And, and if, if there had been a Bar referee, that would have been overruled. And mm. we could have held out a clean sheet a bit longer and maybe gotten a bit more out of the game. You know, and, and you know, it's just like there are cases to be made for having Barrett there. Mm. But it makes these extremely ridiculous um decisions. Yeah. Um, they take forever as well. Yeah. Um like you think like in 2019 at the Women's World Cup where they were trialing these new ridiculous rules of offside um uh, that, that was shambolic. And you would think yeah. that we would have been like, mm, maybe this isn't, oh, I suppose it's just the women. They can't get that right. So we'll we move on to the men's game. And they still haven't changed it. They haven't adapted it. They haven't tried to improve it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry, rant over.
0: No, you're right. Because like, it is, not only is it because of really bad rules being implemented, but it's also the fact that like, VAR is not actually, at least in the Premier League, it's not being um, used as it's intended. Because what you're really getting with VAR is just a second referee over- overruling the first one. Even though VAR, by the way, in terms of authority, is underneath the match referee. So the VAR should not like be, be giving, taking umbrage with that and then saying, no, this is actually what it is. Give that. That's not how this works. It's a match referee's call. And the fact that it's still, they're still constantly overruling the match referee, making him look like a sap in the process, it just makes a complete mockery of it, you know? Um and it, and like the Watkins example, like I'm we like I'm gonna move on to Liverpool next, but like the Villa one was fucking disgraceful. Like I could not get over that the fact that you were so fixated on the offside that you missed the more obvious problem, which was the foul. That's what your problem with VAR is. You're fixated on one thing when the other issue was so more fucking glaringly obvious. You know this is the problem. And um, anyway, that's my. So is
1: VAR just going to be us versus VAR from now on?
0: I'd like yeah. to. I would absolutely love to pop up to Stockley Park. I think that should be a competition. Cadbury's, if you're listening, um, make making a competition that like three lucky people can go to Stockley Park and be allowed to kick the shins off VAR. Like literally anybody does VAR. <laughs> we have to go fucking, shut the fucking cunt. Manny was not offside for the Merseyside Side Derby, you fucking prick. And just do that for like five minutes and you'll feel so much better about that. Like that's therapy. That's how you deal with the, the lockdown, lads. Just kick the shins off David Coots, Or at least I want to kick the shins off David Coot anyway. And um, again, I don't know why I hate him all of a sudden. He just seems to King, pop up everywhere. Chin
1: kicking is your specialist move, to be
0: fair. I am very good at chin kicking, I'll be honest. It was, I was known for it. <laughs> <In> my youth. <kids. laughs> I was a rebel back then, you know. Um, I mentioned Liverpool there, and they are the uh, first recipient this season of a minus two. Um, both Salah and Mane had goals chalked off of marginal offsides by VAR. So VAR was on a fucking mad one in our game. They disallowed two goals and gave Brighton a penalty. You can see why Liverpool Twitter thinks it's a conspiracy, can't you? Um, but, uh, but it isn't, clearly. Um, Man City also had a minus one this week. And that was the last goal of Gabriel Jesus, um, <laughs> which was fumbled in magnificently by Bailey Peacock-Farrell. And um, it was great because like he just fumbled it into his own net, really embarrassingly, but it was talked off because Jesus was offside anyway, which... Uh, I suppose we can count it as a plus one to Burnley, really, just just for the sanity of the goalkeeper. But anyway, um, as things stand, lads, you'd be shocked to hear that Liverpool is losing VAR wars by minus five, and uh, Man United is now the official leader with three. So um, that again shouldn't be a shocker there at, at think, that point.
1: Yeah, I think that's fairly bog standard for you know. Our, is VAR really that bad? If it, you know, United are getting all the dubious decisions and all the decisions are going against Liverpool. Isn't that power, powerful, of
0: course? Well, I mean, I don't believe Howard Webb is in charge of VAR, but, you know, we can investigate it. You know, it's possible. <laughs> um, so uh, moving on then, we'll, we'll check in with the P45 crew, lads, because we have developments. Um, four sacking to tell you about. The first off was uh, Derby County sacking Philip Kaku as their head coach a week after the tune lost loss to Barnsley and a few weeks after me exposing him for the frauds they are. And Koku has indeed been replaced on an interim basis by a, by a coaching team consisting of Wayne Rooney, Liam Senior, and Shea Given. If that's not a winning combination, I don't know what is. And, yeah. But the kill on this goes to Barnsley because their last game in charge was a 2-0 loss to them. So good on, Barnsley. And really? on the same day, uh, Bristol Rovers sacked uh, Ben Garner after losing 4-1 at home to the Fleetwood Town. Uh, Garner didn't have a great record at Bristol Rovers. He managed 33 games and won six. So, you know, silver lining, I guess. <laughs> it's probably, probably for the best, doesn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, Fleetwood Town get their point there. Uh, on November 25th, Shrewsby Town, back in League One, um, sacked their manager Sam Ricketts after a run of eight games without a win, and their second bottom of the League One. Bottom, by the way, is Wigan. That's how bad they're going. And um, Last game in charge was a 2 all draw with MK Dons, so they get the point on that one. And most recently, the Banter Club, to end all Banter Clubs, on November 29th. Sunderland sacked Phil Parkinson as their manager after 13 months in charge. And fair to say Sunderland have been struggling in League One. And so his last game in charge was a goalless home draw to Fleetwood Town, which means as things stand, Joey Barton's Fleetwood Town is the P45 crew at this moment in time. They've got two kills in So, yeah, how about that? Um, and that is it for the. We'll check in with the P45 crew uh, next time we have a podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. let's change tactics. Uh,
1: P- the P45 crew um, might have been out in the women's uh, WSL.
0: Yes, Ooh, I I'd say it could be, yeah.
1: We have an international break, and just before the international break, two, well, three managers got sacked on the last hmm. day before the international break.
2: My Beard has
1: gone. From, yeah. Sorry. The, the yeah. two Spurs managers, because they had a co manager. So, yes, they yeah. did. Um, uh, Hill and the Spanish lad are gone from, uh, I shouldn't know his name, but he's a spud, so I didn't really care. Um, and <laughs> oh, the Spanish lad.
2: Sounds like the yeah. worst buddy pop movie ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, Matt Beard's gone Jewish from his dad. Dad. And as of like this evening, recording on you know before the weekend of WSL fixtures coming back, neither club have replaced their managers.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Nice. It's very so expensive, they have, uh, like, you think
1: because oh, like you know, oh, it's coming up to the international break, we'll get the new manager in. They have a few times bed in with the players. No, ah.
0: no. 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 To be no, fair, yeah. Derby County still have Wayne Rooney in charge, so it does happen in the men's game as well. <laughs>
1: Wayne, yeah, going,
0: I'd love to have the job, and everyone's going like, "Wayne, we'll 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 call you Wayne, yeah, yeah, we'll call you, yeah,
2: cool." Don't
0: <laughs> get, get, get him out of that fucking office. He doesn't work there. He's from the players. What are you doing? Get him out. <laughs> He's putting his hands on everything. Um, so. Uh, I want to change tack here because I wanted to bring this up in, in at some point in the podcast um, about this. I don't know if you guys have seen the interview between Klopp and uh, Des Kelly, the BT Sport interviewer. Um so, Congratulations. fair to say, Klopp was it was a bit raw after the Brighton game. Um, <laughs> two goals disallowed, late penalty given that ended him made made sure he dropped point two points. And most crucial of all, I think this is the part that hurt. James Milner tore his hamstring, which like for Liverpool fans, right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: old hair, like he's totally
0: fucked it. I think he's totally fucked it. Yeah, I think they're 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 currently assessing it. But yeah, he could be out for a while. Um, and yeah, like, and, and there, he'll probably be he'll probably be out for three months. Yeah, possibly. And this is the thing, like.
2: so he doesn't need surgery. If he needs surgery, he's he's gone for he'll be done for four or five.
0: Yeah, He'll probably like, be think,
1: done.
0: You, you can't Set kill
1: him. factory.
0: <laughs> I can assure you, you can try, but you will not kill James Milner, and um, the man will <laughs> outlive the fucking nuclear. You're
1: fascinated, process. I don't
0: know. Yes, it's the all that tea, Charlie out of his hands first. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that tea and novelty socks, man. He just kept, gets him through his day, Um but yeah, like to, to Liverpool fans, seeing an injured James Milner, like, is an indication of something's gone wrong. It's like the it's like the doomsday clock, you know, in that sense. So if if he's getting injured, the team is is struggling, you know. And um, so, like, in a way, that this kind of came up then because he had this kind of, this power with, with Des Kelly. And I'll be honest, like, as a Liverpool fan, we we're kind of preconditioned to defend Klopp. But I can't really, in this sense. He went, to, he went on a mad one to a reporter because he was angry and annoyed. Um, but the argument he was kind of having was that the broadcasters was at, was basically preventing the clubs from um, kind of regenerating the players properly because they were so fixated on, like, the uncertain times and kickoffs. And again, this kind of goes back to a central argument that's been going on since the start of the season, which is the five substitutions rule. So the big teams wanted, um, uh, for the five subs rule to come in so they can keep their players fresh. And the rest of the league kind of like presumed this to be, um, them looking to get an advantage. And for some reason, Klopp like singled out Chris Wilder in particular, um, as that, and I, I get it. Like, like Klopp was venting and stuff like that, but it, the way he did it was, was wrong. And, all it's really done is like on an open up the conversation again. But I'd like to hear what you guys think about this whole the 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 argument that Klopp had as with, with the reporter and how this kind of five subs rule. Do you think would it actually be a benefit to all teams? Or is it indeed just for the top six?
2: Yeah, I would have thought it would have been a benefit to all teams. You know, that that's that's what Quite weird is that people are the the the, the in argument I hear is that it benefits the clubs' larger squads because they can stack out their benches and they can make five substitutes. But in actual fact, it's more of a help to squad to teams with smaller squads because, yeah. like, if you've only 14 or 15 good players and you can only field, obviously you can only field 11 of them, um, having five sub if you get like two or three injuries, you're completely fucked. Yeah, So yeah. having five subs your injury risk
0: and reducing injury
2: risk is the reason for the five sub rule so it benefits it it more benefits um well actually it's an equal benefit but just in different areas and that i I
1: think it's ridiculous just looking at like the five subs um are they're allowed in the a and i know there's more players on the on the pitch at that point but and as well as that you've got things like blood subs and mm-hmm. we will come to this. Like you've got other subs coming in, like you know, for different reasons. Like if someone has a head injury, for example, you can get like those um, uh, subs made that don't actually count as subs. Um, and like you know, these temporary subs. Even if that was the case in in soccer, it would be great for players to regenerate, help or either stop mm. with the fatigue building. Um, but as we will talk about a bit later um, when I get a chance to run uh, run rant
2: um, yes <laughs>
1: but in AFL Aussie rules they have uh, they don't have substitutes they have interchanges and they can yeah. run up to 75 interchanges <laughs> which is basically running people on and off on and off constantly in a match to allow someone because like it is it's it, it, I, I was reading a description of it and I was like as Australia one well, of Australia's most violent sports Um, the the, the risk of injury is quite high and quite frequent and like and it might be something ranging from you know a bruise to a broken nose to a fractured skull and all all none of those will count as a substitution because you've got 75 chances to run someone on and it could literally just be oh we've got a hot ball here run on there you're the tallest person you can jump the highest run on and take that hot ball run back off and you put the fast guy on because you're too slow to run with it like yeah. and that's literally the tactics that goes on. Um but like the fact that the Premier League are fighting over the fact of allowing two extra subs when you've got Australia <laughs> can want seventy-five interchanges. Yeah. Hmm. Um I think I think it is ridiculous. And I don't think that I think that's like Neil said, like the small clubs not finishing for you know Fuck that. Like being able to preserve your players is more important than having a full bench. Um
2: like
1: yeah, or, the Winner, uh, like players. what what is a full bench? Can yeah, exactly. we get some players that aren't run into the ground, please? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, five subs is yeah. I, I don't particularly like Klopp Klopp was just out of out of line taken out on Des Kelly. Yeah,
2: uh, and Des probably. Kelly
1: was very much taken aback. You can you can see that um and he was like, well I, I didn't side against five subs, you know, yeah. and, and I didn't decide that you had to play a twelve on a Saturday. It's not me. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I can see his point of view in terms of the the scheduling. But the Premier League teams did agree to these schedules. Yes. So um, he hasn't a leg to stand on if he's if he's voted and he may, he himself may not have voted in favour of it. Oh, he's 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 won won it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. No, I totally so agree. Uh, I, I totally think.
0: Agree. I
1: mean,
0: like, the perfect example uh, yeah, is He was an absolute
2: in yeah. yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I told you he was. Well, it was really winning. Yeah, sorry, just go back to the point you made. It was like, preserving your own player more important than the full bench. Preserving your own players is more important than preventing the opposition, the bigger opposition teams from fielding, you know, 120 million quid's worth of players on their bench like yeah like if your players get injured you're absolutely fucked Mm. So anything that you can go right this will lessen the strain on my own players it's very much i feel the smaller clubs were cutting their own noses off despite their face kind of going yeah "Yeah, well you know this will hurt us but this will hurt you but it's like without realizing it's gonna hurt them vastly more yeah totally
0: like, look at like again. Like, Liverpool is a, a, a very good example of this. Okay, admittedly, we we have an injury crisis in the one place we should have sh- strengthened in over the summer, which was in in central defence. Like, at in the Leicester game, our backline was Neko Williams, uh, Reese Williams, Nate Phillips, and Andy Robertson. That's like two. That's three under twenty-three um, players, and not one, and that's two really of them are internationals. Well. But like, yeah, and and, and now we have and now we have Allison now for a week or two, so now we have Kevin Keller in. So against wolves, that's going to be a very similar lineup. We'll have at the back now, which is great, and maybe Trent. But even in those in those individual matches, where because like you are like having two matches per week, and um, especially if you're in Europe or whatever, like you do need the squad depth. You do need those players in. And when you look at it, like even the five subs thing, that's even more an advantage for the smaller clubs to capitalise on teams like your Arsenal's, your Spurs, your Leicester's, who have to travel to the back ends of Europe and then come back in and feel like ten changes. You know. When, if you're able to, to do that, and again, give young players a chance. But well, I think the, the real reason is that, like, it's the half, bottom half of the Premier League acknowledging they don't really have a youth setup and they never really operated like that in the first place. So now, when they look to the academy, they see nothing there, you know? Um, like, Burnley a great example. Like, they had six injuries against the Man City team, and Pope was one of them. And they had they, no misdeal practically. And so they had to field Josh Benson, who they signed like a, like a year ago from Arsenal. You know, and never played a game, not even in the in the reserves. Like he was always in the in the youth league. So, like he had to be, he, he was jumped into that team. But again, with the five sub thing, you could have uh, bleeded in that play, those players. Look at Palace. Palace have done the same thing. Palace have gone like, well, we have a weakness at right back. Let's bring Dimitri Mitchell in, and using the five subs from the from, the, from Project Restart. And look, he's he's now maintaining the team. It can happen. You have to let the players have their chance too. And as I said, look, I think it's very short sighted from the small teams. Kind of perceiving it to be an advantage, but I think there's just a general like um contrariness between the big and small clubs in that league now because of the whole like big picture shit as well. Yeah. So whatever the whatever is pitched by like a big team, it'll automatically be rejected by the small. I yeah, think that's always going to be the case now.
2: And even if it helps them as well, they're like,
0: Nine. yeah, that's it. They just see it as, like a charity case and just tell them to fuck off. Like, um, which well, I think we had is a good, good segue into um,
2: Porkbots, uh deep dive there with the concussion other types of substitutions yeah 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 aren't done i think yeah you were saying that the premier league is probably the only sport that doesn't allow um injury related substitutions yeah so
1: like gaa which is is one of the most backward sports in the world like you know (laughs) um it even has blood subs um and there isn't an official, um, I suppose, rule for concussion as of yet. Now, they are looking into bringing it in now. But yeah. um, if someone has a head injury, they have to go off. So what they tend to do, they use their blood sub for the concussion. But they're they, like, they're looking into, well, I know clubs who've done that. I don't know whether they've actually just gotten away with that. But um, yeah. they are looking at bringing in a separate concussion-related sub. Um, so it doesn't count towards your 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 five. Um, but like you've got rugby, you've got AFL, you've got. Um, like I don't I don't follow NFL. You might know this, Neil. Is there like I know there's concussion protocols.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, there are medical tents in the NFL. It's it's interesting in the NFL in that there's often there's two separate teams, so each team has an offense and a defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah so like the, the squad rosters and NFL teams can be up to 60 players and then there's a practice yeah. squad that they can rely on so mm. yeah like they they can just you'll actually switch players out in between plays because yeah. you know you've got like oh this wide receiver's good and slant runs so we'll get him because, we, because we're running a slant run we'll get him on and mm. so on and so forth so yeah like there's no even like the whole notion of a substitution is doesn't doesn't really count <laughs> yeah.
0: in the NFL yeah. like
2: because you, you can rotate your you're rotating your entire team constantly and, you know, yeah. while your offense is playing yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but like uh, but just e- even on that like they have like they have the protection like I know there's one of the things like concussion is such a big story um, in in F- NFL because so the, like the it's ups. very much perceived yeah. that they have all the protection in them so they can just use their head as a battering ram yeah. Um, uh, and but they can't and it's been increasingly like proven you don't do that um, yeah. but like one of the things um, that I find as really really frustrating so obviously this whole rant is based on um, the Jimenez horrible horrible injury it's to awesome. Raul Jimenez and um, and the less but equally as dangerous I suppose um, like uh, injury to David Luiz so like the two of them innocently both went for the ball Like there was no malice in the challenge they were both he, Jimenez was trying to clear the ball Luiz was attacking the ball and they just clashed heads Um, H- Jimenez was like knocked out but it was like the sound of it was just disgusting yeah. it was it's just the empty arena
2: just it it yeah. yeah I think my, my Twitter feed just blew up Yeah. it was literally every Arsenal related fucking accounts retweeting every other arsenal related account and it was literally just that sound vomit emoji
0: yeah yeah it, um, to be fair like it was a very traumatic day of sport because like that was like a two two or three hours app before like roman grosjean, grosjean yeah, yeah. fireball like <laughs> it's like fucking gee what's happening to sport can we just stop it for a while it's not worth it lads just stay indoors <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> stop trying to kill yourself please it's not fair um, um, yeah, yeah, no, like, uh,
1: um, David Luiz was given a five minute check over and then sent back on mm. um, and I'm not at all trying to scapegoat him as the reason why we lost to Wolves but he was directly involved in that and I use air quotes here defending um, yeah. <laughs> in in the two goals in the two plays that Wolves did score from and again I don't think we deserve to win that match and I'm not saying that he cost us the match but he was very incompetent and more so than usual
0: mm. at defending.
1: And I feel like that was as a result of him having a, an adverse effect of being hit in the head. He was replaced yeah. half time based on his bandages leaking blood, which you know is never good. Mm. Um, but uh he I, I think there has to be some sort of like bigger injury there. But yeah, just um like concussion in soccer is um, isn't treated with as much severity. Like I know they have their concussion protocols, but mm. I, I, I watch rugby quite a lot. I, you know, I'm quite, um, I suppose, used to seeing if someone goes with any sort of head knockdown, got the HIA come in, they check. And it's, it's not just a five minute protocol. It's into the dressing rooms, given a couple of tests, back out yeah. on the pitch and okay like if you're fit to go you're fit to go if not no your blood sub turns into an actual sub or whatever so like oh, i just feel like that i don't know how david louise could have passed the test or how those tests could have been invasive not invasive enough but kind of in depth enough to kind of prove yeah. he wasn't confused um, and and like just went the off tests, half
2: time. yeah
1: yeah like, uh, Steph, him
2: leaving at half time is kind of conclusive proof that he should never have been on the pitch to begin with. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm um, reminded of the Jamvatongan um concussion he had. Well, I think it was in the set. It was in the Champions League quarterfinal, semi final. I think it was. I well, took a nasty the, spill. that um, uh, the
2: goalkeeper, your goalkeeper
0: had. Remember, you got elbowed in, in the area, face. Yeah. but here's yeah. the thing about that. That was completely undiagnosed. Completely yeah. undiagnosed because, like, they didn't spot it at the time. Again, this is ironically, before VAR, we could have spotted this, but um, but like, yeah, Ramos like el- el- gave him a fucking elbow when he was going reaching for a ball. No one noticed it, not even Liverpool players noticed it at the time. And um, and that did actually mildly concuss Carrius, and um, to almost the point that like his vision was affected. So when he threw the ball out, he didn't see Benzema who tapped it in, and like Liverpool fans oh, it might be assumed oh it was I'm trying to
2: catch the the, the the ball that was hit straight at him and it pinged off yeah. his
0: hands and went straight in yeah because his vision was blurred and, he ne- and the worst thing about it was that he didn't report that right yeah, he didn- he never point. said his vision was blurred but I
2: believe that the reason why Arsenal let him back out and Arsenal would be my cod for this week had I not yeah. seen the bailout because mm. I think they listened to him they listened to the player and one of the things during a HIA particularly in rugby is that you don't listen to the player exactly no, absolutely not like- Absolutely
1: um, not Steph Steph Catley Arsenal um, She just signed For Arsenal This summer And in her first game Against Lyon She got them cut. And hmm. she said She was asked Three questions And she answered them And With non answers So they asked her again What three questions Did we just ask you And she was like You asked me questions <laughs> um, Like it, She was completely Off it But they were like Right you're going to have to come off And she's like No I'm fine they're like, what three questions did you just ask you? And she's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I'm staying on the pitch, like, you're not, like, it's completely <laughs> irrational, like, yeah. And,
2: I'm,
1: and, like, I, I would say, um, I've uh, you know, I play Gaelic football, I say I've been co- concussed, um, maybe twice, uh, and I've played on. And you know, once it was because we genuinely I, I didn't know I was concussed until like after the match,
0: yeah, and it's then the action.
1: Uh, But then there was one match where I looked over and I said, there's no subs. Like, I'm going to have to keep going. Like, we literally had no bench. Like, we were Arsenal women. Uh, Like, just no bench. There was just no one there to replace me. So, I played on. And, like, it's that classic thing of, like, oh, don't go to sleep at night, you know, after you've been confused because you might not wake up. And I got terrified of that. Mm -hmm. So, I pulled an all-nighter, which, as you would know, is some feat for me.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Red (laughs) Bulls went up that day. Yeah.
1: But yeah I, I, I it took me about three days to recover because like everything like it wasn't just like my vision was blurred then i had to catch up with the sleep that i missed out on um but i was doing like kind of regular intervals of waking up because this is what i was told was you know to not kill me after potion Um, <laughs> and i still don't know if that was i i don't think that's the correct protocol myself but like it, it is. I just feel like no, that's that, an amateur ladies DAA that was about ten years ago. Things should be better in the men's game, um, and you know, yeah. in fully professional. But and um, my last point on this before I move on is they have these rules now in place to stop young people heading the ball because they are seeing the links between heading the ball and getting later onset dementia or early onset dementia. Mm-hmm. Early you know, dementia. When uh, when they're when they are like relatively older than when
2: they're kids. Yeah. Um, Sam's from CTE which is the whole NFL thing that doctors the medical yeah. doctors were covering up the chronic traumatic encephalopathy yes which is causing like you know fucking people to go mad like, uh, like I've been concussed a few times myself because I boxed now so that's the direct result of somebody punching me in the fucking head yeah but about, yeah. About every single time though thankfully I had a trainer who pulled me out but every single time I was arguing with them. You know, See, that's yeah, this is the, the key players. thing
0: here. This is the key thing because I was going to go on a massive tangent about how professional wrestling has dealt with this, and to the credit, they've built it very well. But they've done it because of Chris, of the Chris Benoit incident and various other wrestlers dying of like blood clots in their brain and stuff like this. Yeah. But the curious thing is, like um, WWE have now concussion protocols in, in place. So whenever if one of their, their competitors like gets a concussion, they, they they are obliged to tell the referee. If did not, they get massively fined. Um, but also now they're giving more power to the referees to call an audible, as they say it, and finish the match themselves, as it were. And um, but just go on one, two, three, and don't get the referee presser uh, a chance to kick out. This doesn't happen in AEW, for example, which is their nearest rival. And what happened on a on a live show was uh, Matt Hardy, who you might remember, uh, took a horrible spill off like a ten, like a nine foot platform basically, and like he landed in a way that he like he would land, his body took an impact but there was a whiplash effect to the back of his head and he hit his head off concrete. Uh, and it's horrendous. It's, it's horrible to look back at because it looks like he's after fracturing the skull. But the thing is, like, there's no protocol in place to finish that match off early. So the wrestlers are, t- are given their freedom to say, like, well, we're going to keep going on there, Let's keep going. And the, the, doc- the doctor is there not doing anything. He's just on standby. He's just there off camera trying to get in but not being allowed to get in because that's not the protocol they have. And it's so all bla- when it's it's so glaringly obvious now, even though like 10 years ago they're still throwing chairs at each other's faces. You know what I'm saying? So the actual progression is mad when you see an absence of that protocol, you know. And even ask like even ask a good friend Foxy from the Nerds of Us channel. Like, he's a he's a progressing referee, he has got ultimate responsibility. If there is an injury, like whether it be a laceration, a cut, a broken limb, whatever it is, or a concussion he has the ultimate right to finish the match early. And that's at an independent level in Ireland. Not every referee has that power and responsibility. That's just because yeah. motion has that system. And the fact that, like, it's taken a, a, a sport like football it takes so long to just get, what they should get their head into this game is so bizarre. It's so bizarre. But it's because, like,
2: I, I so many... Just, they just listen to David Louise there. And I'll kind of... I'll tie this off with like one of my own stories from when I was concussed after I got pretty fucking I got in, clobbered in the ring, and my trainer asked me, he's like, "Oh, how many fingers am I holding up?" And went four. Then he immediately turned around to the ref and went, "Now look, our guy's done, and it. that's it. We're not coming out. This is the end of the second round." And I stood up. Oh. I went, "What the fuck? What are you doing that for? Like I'm completely good. Four fingers." He's like, "Neil, I wasn't holding up any." <laughs> <laughs> He hadn't even put his hand in front of my face.
0: Jesus, that's bad.
2: I was like, oh, oh, uh, who's ready to punch him? I hadn't held up any. I wasn't holding up any fingers.
0: That's bad. That's very bad. And a
2: friend was recording it afterwards, and looking back on it, I can see like my eyes had that kind of glassy look. Yeah. Yes. The guy had gone for a hook, and he'd kind of... I, I, I don't think he did it deliberately <laughs> but he, he missed with his hand and he caught me in the kind of eye socket with his elbow
0: yeah <laughs> oh. right around my
2: temple area and I was just like whoa like everything's going go. we've just lost cabin pressure yes. <laughs> and, Yeah. Uh, actually that was 20 seconds to the end of the round and I sat back that was grand and, yeah. yeah that's why you don't listen to it because I'd have happily gone back out there
0: and I was yeah like, yeah that's it. That, it's, it's, it's the one and thing you that, don't do.
2: That's the form where I'm actually being hit. Somebody is directly hitting me in the face, in the head. And I'm yeah. Like, I can't even tell how many fingers a guy is holding up when he's got no hands in front of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that kind of seamlessly jumps us into the hand of COD because, what well, that was indeed your COD, was the concussion protocol yes. football? football. Um, so, uh, Neil, would you like to... You alluded to your COD uh, a while ago. Tell us about the EFL bailouts. Bailout.
2: After um, After months of uh,
0: wrangling, <laughs> yes, uh, let's so go with that. Get
2: uh, a better term. Um, a bailout. The Premier League has agreed. Well, the Premier League has agreed to guarantee a bailout for the EFL. Hmm. So it's a quarter of a billion pound rescue package, and it was agreed this actually yesterday. Was it? Exactly yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's take a look at what it is. So basically, <laughs> Premier League is securing 200 million. Basically, 200 million is going to the championship, with 50 mm-hmm. million is going towards the League One and League Two clubs. Yes. Um, all funded by the Premier League. So basically, the Premier League are coughing up 15 million in collateral, and they're, they're basically serving as guarantor for the rest. Yeah. Um, loans are being capped. So for the, let's start with the championship. The Loans are being capped at about 8.33 million per club. And all the loans have to be repaid by 2024. Now, that's for the championship. That's not that bad. But it's where the League One and League Two clubs are getting in that it's kind of getting a bit iffy because mm. the 50 million is being divided into 30 million of direct grants and 20 million of what's known as monitored grants. Now, <laughs> they initially suggested a 50 million loan, but the clubs rejected it because they don't want to take on any more debt because they're all, yep. fucking, you know, because they're already so debt heavy. <laughs> now here is what the problem is <laughs> the problem is is that basically the loans are essentially to cover unpaid taxes that's mm. what they're for they're not for anything else really um, and that's how because the, the loans are kind of on a need basis yes. and how the clubs judge how the, the, the money is being doled out on a need basis is can you pay your tax bill And if you can't, (laughs) then you get the money.
0: The problem is is
2: that there are clubs that are paying their taxes and that are um, managing to pay their players and stuff like that. And they won't be seeing any of this fucking money. So basically, only clubs that have been withholding PAYE, which is meant to be played every month, are going to be picking up the loans. So, (laughs) the issue is, it's essentially paying for failure because... It's rewarding, the clubs that get the most money and the clubs that haven't been paying any of their bills, yeah, the clubs that haven't just basically just been ignoring their payments, have racked up huge debt and now can't cover it. So they're rewarding failure. So like, Barnsley is one of the main ones there. The, the, the co-chairman of Barnsley has been the biggest vocal opponent of this spalo. And he's mm. saying, Barnsley, we've paid 100% of our players on time. We've paid all of our taxes on time and they're not going to get anything the most that they'll get is about two million quid, subject to financing, which could take two months. Whereas other clubs who've been racking up huge amounts of fucking debt and haven't been able to cover any of it and probably wouldn't have been able to cover it even without the pandemic, they're going to get huge money. Yeah. It's kind like, you know, fucking idiots.
0: Sure, <laughs> so, yeah, because that was the main problem with the initial, like, um, the, the, the um, first draft of this plan was that the championship was kind of getting nothing. And the yeah. reasoning for it was that like basically the championship were identified as like direct competitors or would be direct competitors to teams in exactly. the Premier League, which is that's fair enough. Exact yeah. point.
2: And it's gotten to the point where at least two clubs have openly stated <laughs> that because they're paying their taxes and probably won't get a lot, they're actually going to stop paying their players and stop paying their taxes in yeah. order to qualify for a larger bailout.
0: And it's, it's weird because it's, like there's so many clubs in that League One bracket, like Sunderland and Portland who are delighted with that because their their teams are basket cases, you know
2: exactly. And also the the thirty million that's based on revenue loss at the turnstiles. Sunderland are going to see a huge amount of that because yeah. unbelievably, and I read this, I had the double, I did a double take at this. Unbelievably, they were still getting thirty thousand people to a game every single game last season. That was an shame. Thirty thousand. Yeah. They lead League One.
0: Yeah, same um, with Bradford's. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So um, it's just it's just it it's absolutely mental. Um, yeah. I, 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 like clubs that went into lockdown with a lot of money in the bank and were able to cover their debts and actually you know be well well run. Yeah, mm.
1: getting rewarded
2: for it. Yeah, they're going to get
1: penalised if w- was there anything in that Neil? Because I haven't read it. Did not anything over. go to the the uh, WSL at all, or is the
2: the under, the, like the- that,
0: that's usually the <laughs> EFL. I think there's another one. There's another one going to the FA potentially.
2: Yeah, I think there is a separate uh, deal for it. But I think you, you've just basically asked whether or not the women's game was considered in the men's game. And I think we all yeah. know the answer to that question. We all, I know. You know. know, I you know, just want no, to no, no. I'm, I'm almost jealous of your full naivety. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But um, so yeah, I, I yeah, that, so, that, yeah.
2: And also, the, the problem is as well, like you're, the championship clubs basically run themselves to huge losses anyway, trying to get into the Premier League. Yeah. And people are like, well, you're going to lump two hundred million more onto Clubs are basically running themselves already into the ground in the hopes mm. of missing the ground. Yeah. Um, whether or not another 200 million quid of worth of debt, it's going to make things any better in that debt-laden hellscape. And it's, ju- it's just not... The whole thing, is, it's just a fucking... It's the dumbest thing they could have ever done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's it.
2: It's really um, stupid. It's really, really fucking stupid. And it, it's, it's a poor deal that's been foisted on a load of clubs that are desperate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's,
2: that's all this is. This is exploitation.
0: Mm. Oh, this whole exploitation. That's why all those small clubs were happy to go with Project Big Picture because, like, to them, they, like, so to, to some teams, they were never going to get to the Premiership anyway. They were happy to live within their means. So the fact that, like, yeah. they're happy, yeah, sure, we'll be in bed to, like, Man United or Newcastle or wherever else. We'll never see them. We might see them once in the Carabao Cup, but that's about it. Like, we're never going to fucking meet them in, in competition. So, like, why would we yeah, care? Yeah. It's like, it is like a, it's such a weird like it's it's a class system in football and that's really depressing. Um, yeah, it really um, is. and that's
2: that, yeah. that's why this is my cod. It's uh, the <laughs> pandemic has actually kind of blown the cover off of a lot of very deep rooted problems in the game. Yes, and it's actually presented a really good opportunity for them to solve them. Mm. But they've kind it. Of the, Total fucking opposite direction. No. Oh Yeah.
1: Like, so they, even...
2: like, these loans have been to be, being meant to be repaid by 2024. Wait to see the the, the default level on this is going to be fucking crazy.
0: It's going to be horrendous. Yeah. Like, there's still going to be team clubs going extinct, and the reason they're going to go extinct is so they don't have to deal with this hard court shit. They're happy to go. We'll become a phoenix club and work away up from the pub leagues. No problem. No problem. That that's easy. That's actually that would be actually factually easier than than trying to get through this administrative mess. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to my cods, and then um, it's probably that we've mentioned the word mess because the club I want to mention this week um is a complete and utter shambles this season um, and again you might think like this is an Irish podcast so we do like you know we have our favourites we, we talk about them all the time Um, but you might be shocked to hear that in fact Celtic is not one of our favourites um, oh,
2: Celtic are indeed a mess
0: yes so I want to talk about Celtic and both Neil them and Neil Lennon this week. So if you're not on top of uh this the Scottish Premiership, the Scottish <laughs> League, um, it's very much defined by only two teams, Celtic and Rangers. There are other teams in the in the league, but they're kind of like the they're kind of like the bridge officers on the Star Trek Enterprise. They have a name, but they don't do anything, and eventually they get killed off. You know, it's like uh, yeah, they're, they're like red shirts. Shirt. Yeah. It's like you have like Rangers, you got Celtic, and you got Ensign Lynch. That's about it. That's all you have and um, so in, in a sense the reason i say that is because um celtic have are now on the eve of uh, potentially winning 10 titles in a row which sounds like an impressive feat but when you think about it rangers were not in the league for five years of that because they went out of business um, yeah so so shockingly rangers have uh, have in this time got their act together and have had stephen gerrard as their manager now for two and a bit years i want to say and have amassed a fairly decent team. Like they got one or two good like superstars, like Alfredo Morelos and, and James Tavernier, their captain. But ultimately, it's a very functional team that just are serial winners. They just win games. And um, Celtic, on the other hand, are kind of the opposite, where they like they have these kind of like superstars scattered around the team, uh, like Us and Edward and Oliver and Cham and all these players. And they've had like a, a decent reputation of pumping out a good player to sell on, like Moussa Dembélé. Yeah. Kieran Tierney, most noticeably, recently Virgil Van Dyke, historically as well. So they've they, they they've had this kind of like trying to get this money ball system in place for a long time. The trouble with that is, <laughs> it's really fucking bad the way they're doing it. Um, they have no youth academy to do this. So the the players that they are that they are now putting into the team are overly horrendously overrated and overhyped, and they're trying to make something great out of. Um, else and Shane even that- not having a good time there either. I was going to mention Shane Duffy as well because then, like, when the, when the youth academy doesn't work, then the whole point of a moneyball club is that they need to buy smart. And if you compare it to like to Rangers who bought Alfredo Morelos from HK, say, Helsinki for a couple yeah. of hundred thousand pounds and could now sell him on for 30 million, that's good business. Yeah. You know, that's moneyball. So the money, so Rangers are doing that system better than Celtic are at this point if they want to. Um, but that's beside the point. What's happening this season with Celtic is that they are currently 11 points behind Rangers in the Scottish Premier League, which is a huge gap. Granted, Celtic have a few games in hand, so they could win that back. But in this they past week...
2: Because they were busy crashing out of the fucking Europe.
0: Yes. So they, they couldn't even qualify for the Champions League this season. They lost in the first qualifying round to French for us, who ended up being in the Champions League group with, with Barcelona and Juventus which would have been a huge payday for fucking Celtic if they made it that far. Clearly they would have because French Ross ended up being there. Um, so then they went into the Europa League and really barely, barely qualified. I think they needed a penalty shootout in the playoff to qualify. And they're in a group with, uh, with AC Milan, with Sparta Prague and uh, another team I can't recall. Um, but either way, they're now going to finish bottom of it because they have been woefully underclassed in every single game in this team. Now, AC Milan, you make the argument they're a very precocious team. We've got a lot of young talent. Spartan Prague, you couldn't really make that argument for. And uh, I don't want to say, I'm not saying Sandra Liege because they're in the wrong group. Uh, But I will quickly check this so I can make my point. Uh, Lille, that's who I was thinking of, Lille. Another precocious young team. So you have Lille and AC Milan who are already qualified from this group. Celtic, out of all this, have got one point. One point out of five games. For a team like Celtic, with the reputation they have in Europe, is quite frankly unacceptable. And even more compelling is misery. Um, they were knocked out of the Scottish League Cup by Ross County, who was a uh, like a bottom Ross
1: half. Ross County or
0: Yes. And so much so that like a whole rake of like what I could presume are the frog spawn, that is Celtic Twitter, appearing from their hovels. To break fucking lockdown protocol to protest at the stadium and boo anything that went past. So whatever, whenever a car went drove past and collected like a receptionist from the club, they booed her. They booed the manager. They booed everything else. They just want the club to just get their act together, and it's solely because they're afraid Rangers will prevent them from winning ten titles in a row. And I think um I think one of the other podcasts had said this, but like if you're the fan club, fan club who are so like worried about not winning 10 in a row maybe you are the bad guys <laughs> like in a sense um, yeah. but it's also the, the other reason so I, I'm calling prone... I,
1: I have no sympathy for them because they had the chance to become a um, to not just be a big fish in a small pond and they voted against it but I like the Scottish League is very similar I'd say standard to the League of Ireland mm. Um, like
0: yeah actually uh,
1: and like maybe combine those two leagues and make a you know a semi-competitive league there, um, and yeah. that could then push forward the two leagues to actually compete in Europe properly. But mm. like, I have no like, oh, it, it okay. Just then, hypocritical coming from me as an Arsenal women supporter who, after we like you know, were completely dominant for absolute like decades, um, yeah. You know, winning 10 in a row, yeah, that's fine. You know, done that. That's, that's um, nice. But yeah, no, I... I, I the, the entitlement of fans is really annoying. And it, that's yeah. kind of what... Like, it's good to have challengers. It's good to be under pressure from teams. It's good to hmm. have that kind of level playing field-ish. The only yeah. thing is, you would prefer if other teams coming up to your level and not um,
0: use you know, dropping
1: down to other teams' level, which is what has happened with
0: Celtic. That is, that is exactly it. Like, they have, they, they have been dragged down by the league itself because the standards have dropped so much. And let's be fair, like the Scottish League have never been a strong league by their, by their own right. But they could have been a tea, a league like Belgium, like the Netherlands, where they had the prominent teams that qualified every year for the Champions League, and that kind of, like, money trickled down back to the clubs. But it didn't work that way because it was all, all about Celtic and Rangers, and for a long time it was all about Celtic. So when yeah, Southie had to all kind of of the money it. out
2: of sectarianism as well, like it's yeah yeah, yeah. They, they they were they had no qualms about fucking mining that particular well of hatred because mm-hmm. it made them a lot of money and so that's that that for me is why they've no real uh, they get
0: no real sympathy off me no totally and I, I 100% agree with that absolutely because they don't deserve it and um, and also one person who doesn't deserve any of the credit he gets at all for anything he does is Neil Lennon um, and. <laughs> Out of all the players, out of all of the player managers, who like you know, look, you get these, you're getting these players all the time. You have Zinedine Zidane now at Real Madrid. You got Perlo, Juve, Ole, Lampard, Gerard, Even in, in in the next few years, and they always they always go back to like a role club and they get like an absurd amount of credit for taking the job. But like, let's let's face facts here, lads. Neil Lennon is not a good manager. If anything, he is a very bad manager. Like. This is the same. The team he essentially has is the same one that Brendan Rodgers had. That like were okay. They had great, horrible flaws, but they were brilliant footballing teams, you know. And then he left to take a much better job in Leicester, and uh, they basically parachuted Neil Lennon in to kind of steady the ship and perhaps to get that kind of doggedness they needed to uh, to win the league back. And ultimately they did. But like I can't look at Neil Lennon and say he's a good manager. I really can't. Like his 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 style of play is like. Big Sam on steroids. It's just like, don't concede, defend, fell, defend, fell, and there's no football happening. And then you have... And, isn't, that, and what,
1: isn't that Scottish football in a nutshell? I'm sorry, I'm not like hey, an expert, but that's all I think of when I think of Scottish football.
0: But this is my point of, of them reverting to the mean. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. You have got, like, you have got into, you've got brilliant scouts that have found, like, gems like Van Dyke and Dembele before and Edward. And what's happening is players like Edward and Cham are getting stuck in this league when the all you need is like two seasons, score goals, cash in. That is it. That's all you have to do. That is so easy. Look at Genk. Look at fucking Leipzig at Salzburg. All these clubs who have the exact same business model, which is to basically make a player, shine him up, showcase him in the Champions League, and sell the fucker for money. Like literally, like Genk made like 50 million off three players that he had in, in our group last season. Salzburg the same Leipzig the same they're all cashing in on these players because that's the way their business operates and it's great Celtic could have been like that themselves they could have been a fucking superpower in Europe for this but they decided to go no winning the domestic title against a whole lot of um, like semi-professional teams that's what we that's what we signify as success rather than seeing the bigger picture and realising that like the Scottish Premier League is literally just fucking nothing it's literally just nothing um so <laughs> Yeah,
2: no, it, it is uh, it, it, it and it needn't be. It shouldn't be as well. No. Like, I mean, like you can be a small league and still do things right. And as you said, you pointed Absolutely. out in Dutch leagues that they do that. Like hmm. I mean, like a fucking the Dutch the, the Dutch league have produced like iconic teams in the past. So like worldwide yes. iconic teams. So like I, I just, it's mental. It, it's crazy and yeah, I'm like, don't get me wrong, like, Lennon's not much of a manager. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for somebody who went through the whole, like, he went through most of his career getting bullets mailed to his family. Yeah. Um, because of the league that he played in. Mm. Um, so I do have some respect for a guy who puts put up with that level of fucking shit. But, um, yeah, like it's yeah, it's Celtic are a mess. I mean, when you when you see what how fucking how just go to Europe every time and you just get blasted out. I mean, they need they'll probably never do this, but they need to take a, a hit a hit out of Rangers' books. Rangers focus more on the Europa League, yeah, and they're they're finding a lot of traction and a lot of success there, where as opposed to the Champions League, where they're going and just getting blown out every time.
0: Mm. Rangers are in a team, are in a group with Standard Liège and Benfica and have all qualified and they're joint top with Benfica. Exactly, Benfica, yeah. who are like typically a Champions League team, you know, like they're in a bad way at the moment, but typically yeah. they would qualify for that. And the, the sheer fact that like, and again, you can't say, you can't look at that Rangers team and say they bluffed their way through. They have not. They have been by far the best team in that group. Like they've, they've got the wins. They've beaten Benfica twice. That is not for nothing. And you know what that is? That's because they have a good, or well-organized team with a game plan and a good manager in Stephen Gerrard. And again, I do not want Which to take the, the opposite of what
1: Benfica have at the minute.
2: Yeah, yes, very true. No, but, I, will, I will admit, like it's hmm. not the Benfica of even just a couple of years ago. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong; like Rangers still deserve, deserve like a good deal of credit for what they're mm-hmm. doing. But like they were beating the Benfica of like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. like then I'd be like, holy shit, they're on a fucking, they're they're, they're on fire. But, yeah, precisely. Uh, it's, oh, it's, they're, not, they're not beating a quality Benfica team.
0: No, because the way I would do it, the way I would do it was, if they had swapped roles, if Celtic were in Rangers group and vice versa, Celtic would be zero points. They'd not even win a game. But Rangers, I could potentially say, would compete with AC Milan and Lille. They'd absolutely have a chance there. Like, um, But yeah, that's the way we do it. And in that case, lads, um, we have to dish out our cards. And, um, I I am obliged to go with the concussion concussion then uh, yeah, protocols because
2: I'll go, I'll go with it as well. Like it's it's, it's just not good for the players. Like people, no. somebody's going to buy. You. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. And I think it, I I would be low to say I think that why would be the trigger to actually get something happening.
0: Yeah, hopefully.
1: And I don't want it to come to that. Um. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I win hand of card. I think that's the yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I, for it's, what it's, it's worth. Small um, I would have said the Celtic crew um, purely because a baby came on screen while you were talking, Neil, and I did not pay
2: attention to a word you said. so um.
0: <laughs> you' yeah. we were all very distracted during yeah, that I only time. my blame for that. then. <laughs> yeah
2: you put my ridiculously adorable daughter in front of the camera. so yes.
0: indeed, indeed. So, um, so yeah lads we have, we have, we have, uh, we're into injury time here lads so uh, we are going to wrap the podcast up here um, so um, we, we covered a lot of topics tonight um, which I'm very happy with so we will uh, we'll follow this up in a, in a week's time or two weeks time whenever we're able to get together and podcast and we will be talking about the North London Derby in, in agonising detail I'm sure whenever that the comes agonizing around agonising
2: emphasis there yeah I'll, I'll go yeah. with the agonising the detail part I probably won't be
0: around for Understandable, <laughs> totally understandable. Um, but we've got Champions League to talk about as well. The group stages will be over next week. And um, there is possibility that Real Madrid and Inter Milan could be knocked out by Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk, which is exciting. Atletico Madrid could be sacked out by Red Bull Salzburg, which is exciting. And there is every chance that PSG or Man United could get knocked out as well. It's a, it's a hell of a time, it's, okay. those, yeah. Like, it, it's been it's actually quite exciting. Although granted, they are the only three exciting groups at the moment. Everything else is settled, <laughs> more or less. So that's why you didn't go into depth with them t- uh, this week. But we will talk about it next time we're, we're podcasting. Um, so thank you very much for listening, if you have been. Um, we would greatly appreciate if you could uh, like this, share this, subscribe to us on Spotify, follow us for, uh, for more. Um, if you want to see more of us, or indeed hear and see more of us, uh, you can uh, follow our Twitter at Monday Madness LP. And subscribe to our YouTube Woo! channel with the same name. So, by all means, do so. Uh, we do loads of stuff. We do like video playthroughs of games, we do streams, we do podcasts. And we also have a side channel called Nerds of Rust with the video version maybe up for this. And so, guys, thank you very much for watching. If you have done, if indeed watching and listening. Um, but for myself, Jonathan, for Neil, for Burpa, for Aaron, and for the various Pokemon <laughs> plush dolls we've been using to distract ourselves over this podcast, no, thank no, you very much for listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Bye. that's all of that was Liquid Football. We'll see you next time.